Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Come on, give him the best praise you've given him so far. For a lot of you, if you're like me, we never thought this day would get here. We didn't know if we were going to make it, but we're here. We're still standing. Some of us may have crawled. Some of us may have rolled, but it doesn't matter. We're still here. And I'm here to declare today that what the enemy intended for evil, God is going to turn it around and he's going to make it good in your life, in your family's life, in this house, in City Hills. It's going to be the best year you've ever had. If you believe that, come on, somebody, shout real loud with a voice of triumph and let the enemy know they did not win. It is so good to be here today in this house. I love City Hills, and I want to say how much I love your pastors. I love Pastor Mitch and Brandy Rose with all of my heart. We, we have a long history together, and the one thing about this couple that they have always done, they've inspired me, they've taught me, and some of the best communicators I have ever been around and you are privileged to have them lead you through this uncertain time. Would you let them know how much you love them? We love Pastor Mitch and Brandy so much. And I'm just excited to be here. And before you're seated, I just want us to pray. And I want us to ask God to touch us in this first Sunday of the new year. That this is going to be a new start, a new beginning and that we're going to see God do amazing things. Would you just open your hearts and your, your mouths and ask Lord, the Lord, we're so glad to be able to be in your presence today. It feels good in this house. And Lord, I'm so thankful today that you have brought us here. And I know, Lord, that you have designed and ordained this day for us to receive something from you. So Lord, I pray that you challenge us, that you encourage us, and that Lord, you equip us to be able to do great things, to be able to fulfill the God-ordained destiny that you have designed and purposed for every life that's here today. And we know, Lord, that we're going to leave changed, not because of our programs and not because I'm here, not because of a certain song that was sang, but we're going to be changed forever because your presence is here, your spirit is here, and Lord, when you're here, everything is possible. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. And everyone say amen real loud. I know we're in Texas. I know we're online. And I know that I'm living in Louisiana. So in Louisiana, we just say we're going to fist bump. But whatever you want to do, if you want to high five somebody, go on and do it. Let them know you're glad to see them. Stay safe. And you can be seated this morning. I, um, I wish that my family could be with me. Um, they're back home. Actually, um, I, I, my, my wife and my 14-year-old daughter are singing together today, and it's really cool for me to be able to know that, that God is using my family. Egan is probably in my office eating Skittles right now. Um, that's my 11-year-old son, and uh, I'm blessed with, with an amazing family. I wish you could meet Heather. She's, she's been around before, but she doesn't travel with me a lot because of, of 
you know, she, she's mom and she likes to stay home and she does, we don't have grandparents close by. So, but I wish you could meet Heather. Uh, she, she's a really, really smart, really, really intelligent. She's, she's a really, really good looking girl. Like she looks so good. You would be shocked to see her standing beside me because there's no way she belongs with me. And I know that. And I'm okay with saying that. Somebody asked me um, recently, um, when did I turn my man card in? I said, I don't need a man card. I've got Heather. That's all I need. So I'm, I'm good. But, but she's also really funny because Heather is not the greatest driver. Um, she, she struggles uh, in a car. Um, and it's because she likes to go so fast. And uh, she got really, really irritated a couple of years ago because a police officer stopped her and gave her a ticket. And she was going 75 and a 40. And she didn't understand why a police officer would waste his time to give her a ticket. Anybody drive like that? Anybody know anybody that drives like that? Don't, don't point. Don't do that. We don't want to cause any fights this morning. Um, she also tends to get lost. She is a, um, she's addicted to and she is 100% reliant on the app Waze. I hate that app. I don't like it at all. It makes me so mad. Uh, and and just, just to go from our house to somewhere that we normally go to all the time, she'll still tend to click on that Waze app to see what's going. Well, the other day she was driving. This just happened like right before Christmas. She was driving home down Interstate 10, and she knows that our exit to get off or our house is exit 179. She's been doing it for, for months now, and, and she knows, but she was on the phone I think it was with her father, and she got distracted and talking and just stopped paying attention, and she passed exit 179. Well, three miles down the road is an exit that she could have got off and turned around and come back, but she was still distracted, and she missed that one as well. When she got off the phone, she continued to drive, not paying attention, and finally she called me, and she said, it's taken me a long time to get home today. I don't know what is going on. And then all of a sudden she realized she had gone about 12 miles too far. And she got really mad. And she got angry. Not at me. wasn't my fault, but at the situation. And so eventually she found a place where she could turn around. Now, I, on the other hand, I don't get lost by distractions. I get lost because I'm stubborn. I don't use a Waze app. I don't do those things. I use, I'm going to turn at the third tree with the red leaf by the yellow house with the red car in the driveway type of directions. That's how I tend to get around. Like there's a route that when we go home to, to Arkansas, there's a turnoff. And I tell my wife, you got to turn by the red church with a silver roof. And she's like, what does that even mean? That's how I do it. And so I get stubborn, and I'm going to prove my point. And I have gone out of my way and wasted so much time because I was stubborn. I had to prove myself. And rather than just stop and get directions or rather than turn around and, and go back the way that I came from and start over, I'm going to prove myself. I think if, if we are honest with ourselves and we begin to think about how 2020 has affected us. I think 2020 did a, lot, did, did a lot of that to us spiritually. We got distracted. We, we, we got bothered. We, we got consumed with other things. 
we are consumed with the pandemic and the shutdown and how am I going to work and what am I going to do with my kids when they can't go to school and I'm so tired of wearing a mask and all these different things or people aren't wearing their mask enough, whatever side you fall on. And, and there was political chaos and, and there was social injustice and there were protests. And 2020 just brought a whole lot of crazy stuff. And if, if we're honest with ourselves, like my wife was when she was driving or like I do because I get stubborn, 2020 distracted a lot of us didn't make us do a lot of bad things maybe but it just as a distraction as we were consumed with things and we wanted to prove ourselves to make sure that people knew that our opinions were valid and that our preferences were right and that our causes were the most just and 2020 it distracted us with some fear and some uncertainty and some unknown things and maybe you had to quarantine maybe you had to isolate maybe you had to um, maybe you had to, had, had to go to a hospital. Maybe you lost a loved one. I don't know what happened to you in 2020, but no one here and no one watching at home was exempt from the uncertainty and the chaos and the distractions of this past year. But I want to be very clear as we start off this day that even in the middle of all of the chaos and the turmoil and the craziness, God still worked miracles in 2020. God still poured out his spirit in 2020. God was always in charge in 2020. Not one thing happened that God was surprised by. God was always faithful in 2020. God was always good in 2020. And so we have to understand that even in the middle of our distractions, even when we were wondering and we were trying to figure it out on our own and maybe we got our eyes off the road and we, we, got, we got consumed with things maybe we shouldn't have been consumed with, God was still reaching and God was still loving and God was still faithful and God was still good and God was still there right beside you and he had never left you and he never forsook you. Even in your darkest of days, God was still there. Somebody say amen because you know God is always good. But now we're, we're like, we want to move on from 2020 and we want to get to 2021. Isn't it strange that the new year literally says 2021? Like, think about that. Yay, we're celebrating that 2020, W-O-N, one. And it's already been said today, we've already heard it, that we still have pandemic, and we still have political chaos, and we still have issues. We made it. We're here. That's the good news. But as I look back over 2020, I realized that I allowed things and events to get me out of position to be the best version of me that God wants me to be. There were a lot of times I allowed 2020 to take me down thought processes, to bring worry and stress and anxieties into my life that I didn't need to allow in. 2020, let me 
have reason to listen to voices, to listen to, to all the, the noise that would paralyze me and make me not want to take another step. If I'm being honest with me, that's what I did. 2020 wasn't a great year. Heather even changed one of her passwords to blah, blah, 2020. That's a true story. I'm not going to tell you which one. You can figure it out. But we made it. We're here. 2020 is over. God brought us through. We survived. We made it. But here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. God doesn't want you just to survive. God wants you to thrive. God doesn't want you to live a life of weak fear. God wants you to live a life of strong faith. And here's the thing. I gave you some good news. But here's the not so good news. There's no guarantee that 2021 will be any better in our natural world. There's no guarantee that 2021 is going to be even any better, naturally speaking, than 2020 was. Somebody said to me recently that, man, I can't wait to get to 2021 because it can never be worse than 2020. And I was like, you need to stop because you're going to jinx everybody. And we're trying to close that portal and you're trying to keep it open. Don't be saying that 2021 can't be any worse than 2020 because... It probably can be. But here's where I want to get to my, to my point today, and that is this, that even though we've been going down some roads and we've been distracted and we've maybe missed some things that God had for us, my challenge to you today is this, maybe we should just turn around. Maybe we should just stop where we're headed and just turn around and get back to prayer and fasting. Get off of social media and turn off whatever news channel you like to watch or listen to and put away some of the podcasts that you're wanting to listen to and list, stop listening to some of your friends and your family's opinion and just turn around. Don't, don't be like my wife and just keep going. Don't be like me and just be so stubborn that you're going to try to prove yourself. Just stop and turn around. And let's get back to prayer and fasting. What a great way and what a, what, what, what a powerful way. There's nothing better than starting off a new year with prayer and fasting. Because here's the thing. While naturally 2021 may not be better than 2020, we may still have a year of unrest. We may get to this Sunday in 2022 and say, I'm so glad we got through 2021. 2022 can't be any worse. Who knows? But here's the thing. You get to decide if 2021 is a good year. Not Washington, D.C. Not the health experts. Not the local government. Not, not the economy. None of those things get to decide in your life whether or not this year will be the best year you've ever had. You are the one that gets to decide that. And how do you decide that? You make up in your mind that you're going to stop and you're going to focus and you're going to turn around and you're going to do what Hebrews 12 instructs us to do. You're going to look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. And if we 
can get turned around and position ourselves to where we're looking at Jesus, to where we're trusting him completely and wholly, to where none of the distractions and none of the problems and none of the issues can knock us off our, off our God-given direction. And I promise you that no matter what happens, 2021 will be the best year you've ever had. If you'll go all in, why don't you just make up your mind this year that you're going to give God one year of all of you? Don't, don't just give God a little bit of you. If you're at home, don't just give God a portion of you. Don't give God you when it's convenient. Don't give God you when it feels good. Don't, don't give God you when everything is going good. Give God all of you every day for one year. And if you'll do it, I guarantee you 2021 will be an incredible year for you. You know why I know that? Because the Bible promises us. And there's one thing that 2020 did not do. It did not change God's promises. 2020 didn't stop the fact that God is still sovereign and God is still on his throne and God is still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is still the creator. He is still the master and his promises are still certain and sure. And he promises us that greater is he that lives inside of me than anything that lives inside of this world. So how do we do this? Prayer and fasting. It's not complicated. We just turn around. We stop going in the various directions that we're pulled, and we focus on Jesus. We pray and we fast. We make a decision right now that we'll get back to what has been proven time and time again to work. There's no need to try to reinvent this process of Christian faith and living. Prayer and fasting works. I know we, we think that right now we're living in the, the most difficult, darkest days the world has ever known, and we, we really have. That's not true. Um, just, just think about what was going on in the 1860s with the Civil War. Think, think about what, if we would have had Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok in the 1860s. Yeah, we probably wouldn't be here right now. Uh, but, but think about all the things that like President Lincoln was going through is he was trying to navigate a civil war, not a war overseas and not a war on terror, but a literal civil war that literally ripped apart our nation. Brothers killing brothers, fathers killing sons, the, world, the, 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 the country being burned to the ground literally because of war. He had to have some tough days. Probably he faced some things that were a little more difficult than you and I faced in this past year. And he was a very, very talented, what I would consider to be a, a great president. And I don't mean to get political with you, but he said this. He said, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere to go, my own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. There were days he couldn't get his chief of staff and his opinion. There were days he couldn't go to Congress. There were days that, that all of his advisors weren't enough. There were days 
that he had determined and he realized that he had to be driven to his knees. In other words, he had to just turn around and go somewhere and maybe get into his prayer closet because he was convicted that his wisdom and his talents and his abilities and all of his resources were insufficient for the day that he was in. And I'm a transparent guy. I'm I'm, I'm real honest, maybe to a fault sometimes, but I've had a lot of those days in the past year where all the things I could do felt insufficient. I've tried to read my way out of things. I've tried to distract myself with playing rounds of golf or going outside and throwing a football with my son. I've, I've tried to distract myself with going on trips and making sure my family was happy. I've tried to distract myself. I'm sorry, I've binge-watched so much Netflix, and then I discovered we had Apple TV. That opened up a whole new world for me. And it's ah, so much overload. I, that's, that's, that's what I've done, but none of those things were sufficient to help me. I've talked to friends. I've talked to leaders. I've spent many hours talking on the phone with your pastor, asking questions. I've talked to my pastor uh, in Baton Rouge. Why this? Why that? And there were just some days that no one had the sufficient answer. And if I'm even more brutally honest with you and standing here in full disclosure, I didn't do what I needed to do. I just kept trying to go in various directions to try to find the answer. So as I begin this year, as I begin this year, my word is turn around. That's my word for 2021. And I'm going to allow myself and I'm going to compel myself to be driven to my knees because I know that in my own self and in my own abilities, I cannot manage what's going on around me. As a pastor, I can't lead. As a business owner, I can't manage. As a dad, I can't be a spiritual leader. As a husband, I can't be a strong man of courage that leads my house if I don't understand that if I keep going the same ways I've been going, at some point there's going to be a breaking point. I, I haven't committed any egregious sin haven't gone out. I mean, we're all sinners. I'm not perfect, but I haven't, I'm not here confessing that I've gone out and done horrific things. I'm not ashamed to say anything I've done this year. I'll, maybe they aren't right, but I'll tell you I did them. But, but there's just some directions I've got to stop going. I've got to stop laying awake at night and scrolling on my phone and looking at Instagram and Facebook and playing card games on my phone. I've got to stop that, and I've got to be driven to my knees, and I've got to say, God, this year I'm turning around, and I'm just going to come to you with everything. Joel chapter 2, there's a really, 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 whew, it's tough. What? <laughs> What God is talking about is going to happen to Judah. There's going to be an army rise up. There's going to be an army of not men, but locusts rise up. There's going to be a famine in the land. And it's, I mean, read Joel chapter 2, the first 10 verses, and it's, it ain't, it's not very pretty. It's not, it's not very fun. Makes me feel a little bit like what I've gone through this past year on a little small scale. And I don't think that God is bringing his judgment onto you because of what's happened in 2020, but I do think we have to understand that there are certain things that God does allow to happen in our lives, not to make us suffer, but to make us show, to, to allow us to allow him to show how good he really is.
And so when you begin to read of all these things that are going to happen and, and, and all the destruction they're going to have and all the things that's going to happen, it stops. And in Joel chapter 2, verse 12, the Lord speaks and says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothing and your grief, but tear your hearts out instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. God is speaking to his people and saying, turn around while you have time. Stop what you're doing and just come back to me with prayer and with fasting. And when you do, you'll find the mercies and the compassion and the grace and the unfailing love of God. So what is prayer? Simply prayer is talking to God. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's our way of communicating our thoughts and our needs and our desires to Him. It's a two-way relationship where we talk to God, but we also listen to God. The Bible tells us about what happens when we pray. In Psalm 91.15, the psalmist says, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. God speaks and says, If you call on me, I will answer if you call on me, I will be with you when you're in trouble. Isaiah said it shall come to pass that before, that, that, that before they call, God will answer. And while they are yet speaking, that God will hear. And then Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 7 and says, If you ask, it will be given to you. Knock, the door will be opened. Seek, you will find. Prayer works. Prayer is proven to work over and over and over and over and over again. James tells us that the prayers of a righteous man does a whole lot. Prayer. We don't have to make it hard. We don't, I know it's not easy to pray sometimes because we get distracted. We start going down different places. and It's hard and it's not easy. But we just have to turn around, get back to praying. If you have struggle, if you have a hard time praying, just open up the Bible and read. If you have a hard time praying, turn on your favorite worship set and just be quiet and listen to the songs and let God speak to you and meditate and let God. You don't have to be a, a, a 10 hour a day prayer warrior to pray. You can start with a five minute prayer and grow and grow and exercise that spiritual muscle that God has given to you. Prayer is not a burden. Prayer is a privilege. It's a gift that God has given to us that we can go boldly before his throne and we can find his grace when we pray. And what is fasting? Well, <laughs> I'm, it's voluntarily going out, going without food or some other thing that you really, really like. Social media, whatever, whatever it is that you really like. And it's for the sake of a spiritual purpose, and it is so countercultural to our, our consumeristic society. Some people say, why do we have to fast? Well, Jesus assumes his followers were fast. He doesn't say if you fast, but in Matthew 6, he says, when you fast. 
He doesn't say his followers might fast. He says in Matthew chapter 9, they will fast. So we fast in this life because we believe in the life to come. We don't have to have it all here and all now because we have a promise of what we're going to have when we see Jesus. And so we fast, we push away, we refrain from those things that we can see or that we can taste because we have tasted and seen of the goodness of God. And we're hungry. We're so hungry, not for Chick-fil-A or not for torches or not for Facebook or not for Netflix, but we're so hungry for the things of God that we'll walk away from the natural things and say, no, I want more of God. So prayer and fasting, that's all great, but why? Man, why do we have to do them both? And why do we have to do it at 6 a.m.? I land at like 11 o'clock tonight, and I've got to be at my church at 5.30 in the morning. And Why? Well, Jesus said that there's some things that happen by prayer and fasting. So in other words, when I pray, things happen. When you fast, things happen. But when you pray and fast, all things happen. When you combine the two, they're an unstoppable force. Jesus said there's some things that happen by prayer and fasting. So as I embark and I start and I begin to give God the first days of this new year, I don't want just some things happening. I don't want just certain things happening. But I'm ready to tear down strongholds. I'm ready to march to the gates of hell and say no more. I'm ready to see God do the miraculous even more than he's ever done before. That means I'm going to have to pray and fast. I'm not going to be able just to pray. I'm not going to be able to just to fast. But I'm going to combine the two. And God has promised us that when we do, all things happen. Here's the thing I love. Prayer reaches out after the things we can't see. And fasting lets go of the things we can see. I want to say that one more time because I want you to write that down or, or, or remember this mentally as you're struggling on like day 11 of getting up early in the morning and, and whatever you're, you've given up and you're not partaking of. I want you to remember when you're praying, you're going after the things you can't see. You're going after God's spirit. You're going after God's presence. You're going after God's dominion. You can't physically see it, but it's there and it's real. And when you fast, you're letting go of the things you can't see. And you're saying, God, I want you so much that I am willing to give up anything. Why do we pray and fast? Because it brings complete wholeness by total surrender. I learned this verse in Sunday school at age six years old. I've been going to church since I was a week old probably. And I can tell you how many Sunday services I've missed on probably one hand in my entire life. So I learned this verse, and it, does, it just became like repetitive stuff, right? You know, it didn't really mean a lot to me, but, well, this verse just really wearing me out because it reminds me of why I've got to turn around, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people... Pestilence is COVID, just so you know, for 2020. 
If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, that's fasting, and pray and seek my face, that's prayer, and turn from their wicked ways, that's turning around. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. If you fast and you pray, it is a turning around process in your life. There are so many things that we don't need to be looking at or reading or watching or letting into our lives. And so if we pray and we fast, God says, I will hear from heaven and then I will heal their land. So Christmas Day, just whenever it was, just here a week week ago or so, I had the privilege of, of doing something I'd never done before. I went to a football game on Christmas Day in a pandemic with my dad with 3,000 people. It was weird. It was surreal. Uh, but my dad and I, we drove down to New Orleans, and we watched the Minnesota Vikings get destroyed by the New Orleans Saints. Now, I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a long-suffering Cowboys fan. But I will root for the Saints as long as it doesn't hurt the Cowboys. And these days, the only thing that hurts the Cowboys is themselves. So it's frustrating. Man, it's so frustrating. And, 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 but we went to this game, and we're sitting there with 3,000 people, y'all, in a 75,000-seat arena. Weird. Weird. We're sitting there. We're sitting in the end zone, kind of on the first row where we can, we can go. And I took a picture, and I, I asked them to put this picture on the screen. And I think they're going to they're gonna do it for me. Hopefully, it'll, it'll get up there. And I want you to look at this because this picture, it really frustrates me. Doesn't that look weird, y'all? Look at all the... That's not people. That's colored seats. That's a sellout in 2020. But this picture, I took it, and I leaned over to my dad, and I said, this picture really aggravates me, and it frustrates me. And he's like, what what are you talking about? So I'm looking, and I see a a cameraman and a security person. They're literally maybe, well, they better be six feet apart, right? If not, they're not social distancing. So we're going to say they're six feet apart. They're in the same environment. They're hearing the same sounds. They're feeling the same atmosphere. But their experiences couldn't be further apart. Because the cameraman, he's focused on the main event. He's focused on what draws the crowd, what draws the TV uh, watchers. He's focusing on what pays all those millions and millions of dollars to those players, the game. But the security guard, not one time during the game, Did he ever look on the field? Because it was his job to be focused on the crowd. It was his job to be distracted by the crowd. And he never got to experience what the cameraman got to experience, even though they were six feet apart. And I begin to think about that in my life. And how that applies to me in my spiritual living and being. And What if just one small position change could bring me a brand new perspective? What if I embrace the fact that it really isn't my job to look at the crowd and to figure out what's going on everywhere else, but my job is to look to Jesus? And what if I didn't have to take 45 steps, or what if I didn't have to go 20 miles? What if I just simply had to turn around 
just to have a brand new perspective on what's going on. It doesn't take a lengthy process. It doesn't require much effort. We just simply have to turn around. So here's my question for you and a question that I want you to ask yourself. And it comes from Corey Ten Boom. As we embark upon 21 days of prayer and fasting, we embark upon a new year. Is prayer your steering wheel or is prayer your spare tire? Is prayer what you use every day or is prayer only what you go to when you're in trouble? There's something super important we have to realize about prayer and fasting. Prayer doesn't change the position of God being closer to you. It changes the position of you being closer to God. God is always close to you. The problem is there are a lot of times we aren't close to God because we allow stuff to distract us and get us out of position. God was just as good in 2020 as he was in the best year of your life. God was just as good in your darkest and lowest of days as he will be in your brightest and highest days. God's goodness never changes. God's love never deteriorates. God can't be more good one day and less good the next day. God doesn't change. We change. Our moods change. Our emotions fluctuate. We allow our circumstances to dictate what's going on. 2021 will only be better if you choose for it to be better. And the only way that you can ensure that 2021 is going to be better is that on the first Sunday of the year, here, in your living room, in your office, wherever you're watching this, is that you just turn around and return to God with all of your heart. Stop being noncommittal and go all in. Come back to church. Start serving again. Start tithing again. Don't allow fear to dictate what you do. Go all in and start by praying and fasting. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica to rejoice always and to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Even 2020 and even today, and no matter what 2021 brings us, we've got to choose to turn around and rejoice always. Don't stop praying. Be thankful. So what will you use this day for? For me, I'm going to turn around. Prayer's not going to be my spare tire. Prayer's not going to be my check engine light. Prayer's going to be the vehicle that gets me everywhere I go. That's a new commitment I'm making. Fasting is going to be what gets me where I'm going. It's not going to be something I need. I'm not going to go when I'm on empty and go make prayer like a, gas, a, a tank full of gas. No, it's going to be the vehicle. It's going to drive me to my knees because I realize I'm insufficient. So as we begin this year, return to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. 
Turn around. Focus on the main thing. Just a small position change to see what God's really trying to do in your life. Could you stand with me? And I just want you to, to lift a hand and I want you to make a personal commitment all across this building that you're going to go all in in 2021. That you're going to be lockstep, that you're going to allow God to do things in your life and you're going to see God do things in your life and you're going to know for certain that you've got a purpose. Come on, all across this building, I'm asking you to start praying. They're going to lead us in worship in just a second. They're coming right now. The, the band's coming. The singers are coming, and I'm fixing to walk off the stage. But I'm just asking you right now to make a commitment in your life all across this building that you're going to start 2021 by turning around and giving God all of you all the time. Just for a year, let him do it in your life. Reach out to him. Maybe you need some forgiveness in your life. Maybe you've done some things that you don't, aren't proud of. Just turn around. Maybe some doubts crept in. Your faith is shaky, and maybe you're just on the verge of quitting and giving up. Just, just turn around. Maybe you're at home, and, and you want to come to church, but you just that fear and anxiety has got you. Just turn around. Whatever it is, humble yourself. Pray. Seek God and let God do a work in your life. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.